Welcome to Suraj Podcast. Today I'm going to be speaking about mythology and its role, its usage, and its appearance in the text of the Suraj Prakash, but also more broadly in other pre-modern or pre-colonial texts in India. So the Suraj Prakash is, is a text that is meant to explain, according to the author's words, Kavi Santok Singh, the Itahas, which is loosely translated as the history um, of the gurus. So a Western educated listener or, or reader, uh, when he engages with the Suraj Prakash is, is naturally going to be uneasy about the mixing of maybe fantastical stories, whether it be, you know, mythology, folklore, um, into the text, into a text which aims to be historical. Now this unease has caused many to turn away from these types of texts. And when I say these types of texts, that include mythology and folklore, I mean basically almost all pre-modern colonial texts, you know, including Guru Granth Sahib, Dasam Guru Granth Sahib, the writings of Pai Gurdas, you know, so these texts in the Sikh canon, but also in Hindu, Hindu texts and also Sufi texts. And those that don't dig deep now to contextualize these components, they turn away from the texts or even, you know, exp expunge it. So they even take out components of the text to, you know, clean up, if it were, the text, make it more palatable uh, to people. Now this started to happen in the early 20th century, in the early 1900s, as a result of British education in India. But I think this is the wrong approach when engaging with these texts, because we have to see how these texts were using the mythology in the first place. And I would argue that the mythology gets utilized to drive home not a truth in the sense, you know, a factual, rational truth, but a, rather a meta-truth. Now, a meta-truth means a way to conceptualize the world, but also a way to act in the world as well. Now, this type of truth, this meta-truth, arguably is more easily comprehensible, uh, it's more reliable, uh, in the sense that it sinks deeper into the listener or reader. Uh, it's more relatable uh, when the truth is packaged with like an analogy, perhaps personification of events, you know, or phenomena. Um, an example of this that we have covered so far is in Guru Hargobind's third battle, where there was a personification of weather. And um, here, Guru Hargobind asked the god of wind, Pahon Devta, to bring heavy cold winds uh, against uh, the unprepared Mughal army that was approaching. So here, in terms of the events, they're very clear and make absolute sense when knowing the context of the battle. You know, that the soldiers were, on both sides, the Mughals were equipped with matchlock rifles. Um, to those who, who don't know, people can watch on YouTube the tutorials on how to um, fire a matchlock rifle actually it might be a good way to visually see how they work but basically it requires a wick now this is called a like a match cord this wick has to be lit so um, you know if it was very windy if it was very cold it'd be very difficult to, to light that wick and it has to stay lit that wick such that you know it would make contact then with the gunpowder and you know the soldiers would be carrying this wick around in one of their hands here so um if there was heavy winds coming uh, if it was very cold obviously then it would be difficult for those soldiers to to fire with their rifles 
So given, you know, the soldiers, you know, the difficulty that the soldiers had, uh, and given the context here of the fight, it makes sense here. Um, so here the mythology works on several fronts here because it explains, you know, the unexplainable, you know, at the time for the listener or the reader, uh, even today, perhaps for people who are unaware of like the intricacies of, of war or, or weaponry of, you know, those type of rifles. But more importantly, the mythology that is utilized drives home a meta truth here that the text wants to convey. Uh, which I defined before as, you know, a way to conceptualize the world or a way to act. So the truth that Gavi Santok Singh, the author, wants to convey in the text here is one of, you know, explaining the nature of the divine here. That the guru or the, the divine uh, essentially here being represented by Guru Hargobind, you know, is in all things. So that all things uh, stem from their action and all things in the world are basically... Um, in line with uh, the divine's will, is following uh, the divine's orders. Now, this point is spelled out, you know, also literally through the text as well, you know, in a non-mythological uh, way. You know, an example of this is covered um, also in an episode that we talked about when Guru Hargobind and Jodhrai are leaving the village of Gangar to set up battle positions. Now, Jodhrai and Jodhrai has a very wise wife, and the wife was telling Jodhrai that, um, you know, as, as Jodhrai was leaving from battle, that uh, basically, don't get it twisted here, Guru Hargobind is, is playing a game. Uh, this world, basically, uh, and his action is just a drama, you know, that he's created. He's essentially he's the mask behind all masks. He's the puppet master orchestrating everything behind the scenes. Everything stems from him. And we all are a part, part of that as well, playing in this drama. Now, one can speak about this type of notion, you know, have an intellectual talk about philosophy and the nature of the divine and uh, being non-dual and spelling out the metaphysical components, but all of that would just be dry to most listeners. It wouldn't sink in. The ability to use storytelling lets the author paint a picture with multiple layers. So one can understand the historical events of what happened, um, and that's not to be ignored here. The author, Gavi Sandok Singh, is extremely specific in his narration of details, you know, listing dates of when things happened, distances between uh, where the Guru went, speaking to different cultures, you know, explaining uh, different places, traditions. So in that regard, you know, it's a great resource. It's solid in that regard. But at the same time, the text is also conveying so much more as well. You know, um, and also kind of beyond the scope of this but not only philosophically you know those poetics that are involved etc so i just want to end here and say that you know if there are components of the text that perhaps one does not understand or may uh, leave you uncomfortable you know that's quite normal because what we are doing here is we're engaging with the text you know we're having a conversation with the author here Kavi Sintoksing, who lived 200 years ago and naturally, if you speak to somebody who lived 200 years ago, there's going to be some misunderstandings here. Um, but one of the components of the podcast that we will start here, with this as being the first episode, is having separate episodes to provide context to these misunderstandings, to help listeners gain a framework, not only for understanding this text like the Surish Prakash, but other texts like it as well.
So this is where I'll stop and we'll continue on next time.